So this morning, I'm going to start a sermon that'll take me six or so weeks to get done with. You, you can't send me away too long before I've done wrote something too, way too big. And, uh, but really, it's, it's, it's a mindset that I need you. And, and it's okay because each of them is, is a, they're individual sermons. They're, they build on each other. So, but, but the overall arc of what I'm going to be teaching you that you're going to have to carry into this next year and into whatever God is fixing to do throughout this world and, and everything and, and, and all that's it's fixing to take place. And I'm not trying to say, oh, the end of the world's coming. I'm not, I'm not one of those going to write you a book and try to sell you another you know, end of the world book. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just telling you that we are pressure cooking and pressure cooking. And whether this is the moment or not the moment, whether it is, we're not, we're not going to loosen the, the vows. It's just going to keep twisting and it's going to keep until it finally pops. And wouldn't that pop? I'm not, you know, Jesus said, even I don't know that the father has all that. And I, I figure if the father's got it in his hands, I'm good with it. That's, I, I've got enough to do until he figures it out. All I know is I got work to do and things to accomplish until that time. And part of that is, is, is doing what God has called me to do. And so this next six weeks, beginning this morning, we will deal with a topic that just simply is this. I am perfectly abnormal. <laughs> Look at the person beside you and ask them, are you perfectly abnormal? Are you perfectly abnormal? That's, that's the word of the day. Because what the world is trying to do in the middle of all its chaos is try to come up with this, can we just be normal? Can't we just get along? Can't we just not, not fight or not have this or not have... Can't we just... See, the problem with being normal is the fact that it's all subjective. See, in 1970s, if I had taken you and you said, well, I've got a gender issue, I don't know which bathroom to go to. Well, that would have been not a problem. I would have carried you to a psychiatrist because at that time, they would have said, you got mental issues. And we need to get you in here and figure you out and get you situated. That's what science and, and the world would have said in 1970s. If you walked around in some dress and you're a guy, they would have said, you got mental issues. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. They would have just said, hey, that dude, you know, he's weird. That dude's a freak. They would have said words like that. Now, move it to 2022, 23. Now, if I talk about Bruce Jenner... And I'm like, you know, that dude used to be an athlete, and now the guy wears a dress. People look at me and say, well, don't say nothing, because that'll make you weird. Don't, don't, don't stand up against it, because that's not the norm. And I can carry you in multiple things. The problem is, is that when you say abnormal, it all depends on what you are receiving and taking in as the information that makes you think that I'm okay where I'm at. The world understood this many years ago. That's the reason that the, the same people that we're talking about that would have said in 1960s and 1970s, this is crazy, that's not... 
are the same people that decided we need to become teachers and we need to become educators. So now you've got this messed up person in some educational system that's teaching some kid that, hey, unless you believe what I believe, I'm not going to pass you, so you're not going to be messed up. So I'm going to give you a certificate that says you think like I think. Look, I got me a diploma that says what? That the idiot that taught me says I'm an idiot like him now. You say, no, 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 that's not what school, no, 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 it is. Because notice now, if you, if you start researching, most of our kids graduating now can't read. And most of these inner city big schools, they, they, they'll tell you, they're not graduating where they could write a paragraph. They, they wouldn't have the foggiest idea how to write. They, they don't know how to fill out an application if they go and get a job. I watch kids all the time that'll walk into Wendy's while I'm sitting there eating and, and they'll walk in. The manager has to come out from behind, walk and sit at them at the desk at one of those little booths because that kid, even though that kid wants to move forward, doesn't know how to fill out the form. And we say, well, that's normal, but at least he knows what woke is. He may not be able to spell it, but he knows what it is. Is it okay if I just preach a little bit? I don't have to be politically correct. I'm abnormal. And I'm perfectly abnormal. Let me show you in just just being able to to outline it. Pull up the the words that abnormal, because if I say something's abnormal... In our modern day, that's, that's a bad connotation. But Superman's abnormal. He's not normal. The problem is when we say abnormal, we use it as a negative term. And notice how these words, atypical, special, exceeding, exceptional, extraordinary, but it can also mean uncustomary, unusual, unwanted. In fact, some of the phrases that that I have is simply this. Let me give you some of the the, the good words that you can use for abnormal, uncommon, rare, peculiar. You know, that's even in the Bible. We are a peculiar people. Wow. Unconventional, surprising, exceptional, extraordinary, out of the ordinary, unnatural. Off the rails. I like that. I should have titled this thing off the rails. But now that same word can also mean unusual, deviant, deviating, wayward, strange, a freak, weird, perverse, or perverted. It's the same word. It's a word that can be used so much into where you're trying to use it to create the context that you want to use. To where I can say it to you and I can mean it, you're extraordinary. You are not like anybody else. But I can also use it in a negative way and say, you are one weird freak. 
And the problem is because it's a word like that, the world uses it as a weapon. And they weaponize this word to force you into trying to be what they call normal. But the problem is what's normal to the world today, you'll have the wrong shoes on next year. Bell bottoms will be out again. You'll have to put in the closet or people will say, you still wearing that? You still doing that? You know, that was like 19, whatever. That was like way back when. That was, that just doesn't look good anymore. That just doesn't, people don't comb their hair that way anymore. We don't, we don't do that. We don't say that word anymore. We don't, when somebody used to say rainbow, you used to say, when did it rain? And you looked up and saw one. Once somebody says rainbow now, let's take it away from God who gave it and let's change its meaning and let's pervert it to where it can mean something so that when somebody sees a rainbow now, they don't think of the promise of God that said, I'll never flood the earth again. I'll never destroy the earth again. Let's think of it as somebody who we would have said years ago, is weird and is freakish and does need a little psychiatry. Oh, don't look at me so... I know know you're trying to be normal. I know we, 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 we fight it, but it's built in to who we are. But listen to me very carefully. You cannot walk with God and be normal. Your fight to fit in. Your struggle to be like everybody else from the time you were a teenager or in college or, 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 or wherever you were has been your downfall the whole time because if you would just do this, you would be normal. But the problem is the moment you did that, you didn't stop at that. It keeps pushing and it keeps going and normal keeps changing on you. And what was normal just a few minutes ago isn't normal anymore. And if you'll do this, why won't you do this? And if you'll go there, why won't you go there? And it keeps to be a push and a push and a push by a world that has no end in sight from this comes my story go with me to Luke 1 beginning at verse 5 and I'm going to get as far as I can I'm going to go as far as I can with us today see when you look up Questions even on the internet. It says, how do you define normal and abnormal? Here's what it said. The concept of normal and abnormal behavior, abnormality, notice how it quickly changes the word. Abnormality is a medical term. That's not what we said. We said, what's the difference between normal and abnormal? And it quickly changes in the definition. It says, abnormality is the significant deviation from a common and accepted pattern of behavior. The moment you don't do 
what everybody says you do, you become abnormal. And you've got a disease. Or you've got an issue. Or you're homophobic. I didn't even know I was that. I thought I just didn't like the lifestyle, but now I know I can't go outside without shaking because I'm afraid I'm going to run into one. No. But the world uses from abnormal to now you have an abnormality. Accepted patterns of behavior, emotions or thought. While normally is... Normality is the absence of illness and the presence of state of well-being otherwise called normal. How about this? It essentially means not normal or unusual. Abnormal implies that whatever is not normal is also undesirable. So you got to know that if you decide to go into being abnormal, you're going to become uncommon, unlikable. They're, the world's going to have telling you, if you do this, we're going to cut you off. If you do this, if you stand for this, we're going to have to call you sick. is also undesirable. However, abnormal is sometimes used as a positive context. The phrase abnormal intelligence, for instance, usually refers to someone with especially high intellect. But we don't think that way. Nobody in here wants to be called abnormal. Daniel was abnormal. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were abnormal. They weren't the norm. David was not normal. When we look through the Bible and we read about people, women and men who were exceptional, it's because they had an abnormality. It means that they had an abnormality of loving God and trusting God more than they trusted anything else. Let me see if I can tell it to you in a story. We live in a world where we feel every day insufficient. We live in a world where we feel inadequate. We live in a world where we feel like I can't accomplish, I can't do it. It doesn't matter if it's, it's our work, if it's raising kids, if it's trying to stay married, if it's trying to work, if it's just trying to keep our sanity, if it's, if it's whatever. We struggle on a daily basis and, and, and what we long for is just for things to be normal. Look at the person beside you and say, how many times do I tell you I wish we just had a normal life? How many times you look in the mirror, young man, and say to yourself, wish I just had a normal life. I'm, 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 
Why did I go get saved? All my buddies are out there having fun and doing their thing. Some of them done met wives and some of them done had their thing, you know, doing their stuff and having. And here I am shooting basketball on Saturday night with other guys. How come I have to be stick out like a sore thumb? How come I can't be normal? Oh, you can, you can look at me and, and, and say, oh, no, not me, brother. Lord. I like being abnormal. And you'd be lying. Because there's nobody that wakes up in the morning. Because I was in those seasons of 19 to 20-something years old and 30 years old and lay in my bed and cry and ask God, why can't things just be normal, God? Why can't things just, I mean, why does it always seem like everything in my life is just falling apart or, or coming unglued? Or how, why did it feel like nothing works out easy for me and everything's a problem? Their marriage seems good. Look at the Facebook pages. Here I am, my wife won't even get me a glass of water. And we got to go to church. Why can't we just be normal? Look at these kids. Man, look at that. Everybody got them nice, good-looking kids. Look at mine, God. No, I'm just talking about me. I, you don't, none of y'all have these issues. I'm just talking about me. I don't get treated right at work. Why can't it just be normal? Nothing seems to work out. If you're not careful, you will crave normal. Just give me, I don't even want to fight it anymore. I don't even want to come against it. Just whatever's normal, I'll take it. If that's normal, just let them watch it. If that's normal, just let them eat it. If that's normal, let them drink those Cokes. Let them, let them just, uh, I don't care. It, it fixes batteries and everything. So, so you can, you can uncorrode a battery with a Coke. So it's got to help him kids. Let them drink them. Then put them out in the yard and run it off. We stop fighting it. We stop. Look, I'm just going to eat. Because let me tell you something. That's mine. Normal to me, you have to look at my family pictures and, and normal to me is to get a bucket of ice cream and sit there and watch I Love Lucy and Gilligan's Island and just sit there and just eat that whole cotton-picking gallon of chocolate ice cream. And then figure out what I want for supper. Let's go to McDonald's. I'm hungry. I just, why can't I just be, no, why have I got to, why, why do I have to do this? Because God made you abnormal. You, in being a new creation, are not like everybody else. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. New to you. Abnormal to the world. When you used to have friendship with the world, now you have enmity with it. Even when I'm talking about the stuff I was talking about there, kind of hedging around a few minutes ago, people are thinking, can't put that online. Oh, Lord. We struggle to want to fit in and be normal. And yet we come to church Knowing it's the very place that tells you not to be normal. Hey, get up. Raise your hands. Clap your hands. Hey, run around. Hey, start talking to somebody. Hey, shoot an invisible bow and arrow in there. 
You took a video of that, sent it to the doctor, he'd say, well, those people have some mental issues. All of my eight years of studying from another idiot has told me that those people have issues. Just all right. I got six weeks. It's like the story of the man who went to the grocery store, and when he went to the grocery store, he saw another guy there. He's pushing his boy around. He's getting his groceries, and then he said, this boy does not want to be there. Little three-year-old boy. And he, he's, he's watching that kid scream. You could hear him throughout the whole grocery store. And, and, and he gets near the guy, and he wants to see, because the guy's staying calm. He's, he's just getting his groceries. And he says, come on, Billy. Billy, it's going to be okay, Billy. You're going to make it. Come on. And, and he's just like, wow. He's very patient. And, and he, before long, he was shopping. He'd hear that kid scream again. And, and he kind of just wanted to look around the corner, see how that dad done blew his mind. He'd just say, Billy, we're almost through. Billy, we got, we got to get this stuff. He gets to the checkout line. He's watching him. That kid, of course, wants everything. And he's like, no, 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 no. Come on, Billy. We're almost at the car. Billy, we're almost at the car. He goes to the checkout. That guy does. He follows him out to the car. And he says, he's just got to say something. He says, sir. He said, I just want to tell you, that the way you handled your son, little Billy, he said, I'm going to tell you something. That is, a, that is to me, that is like the greatest testimony of just patience that I've ever seen. And the guy looked at him and was like, he said, you don't get it. He said, what do you mean I don't get it? He said, my name is Billy. The kid's name is Alan. I'm going through the, oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Come on, Billy. Hang in there, Billy. We ain't got far to go. Come on, Billy, we're just going to be at the car. We all get in places where we would like to just be normal. And being abnormal in that place takes me to my verse, and I'm getting there. But i got to get your mind here because I need you to understand what is going on. 400 years there has not been a word of God. What would you do if you... If you if there was no move of God, if it was just trying to hope for, believe for, a miracle, believe something, but nothing seeming to happen. This is where Israel is at the time. Israel is, is, is at a situation where there has been no open word. They, they've gone through temple situations. They've gone through, through uh, the domination now by Rome. And Rome has, has taken them and colonized them and, and has put rulers over them. And, and, and they are in a situation like they never thought they would ever be. They don't have a king anymore. They, they don't have any rulers. They don't have a government anymore. They're just slaves in their own country it's bad enough to be a slave to know you're somewhere off but it's bad when you are in your own house living at your own home going to your own school doing your own but knowing that you don't have no authority or no power at all that they can take it away at any minute they were home but they weren't free 
They had no king. Nothing. No representative. If they got out of line, we, we make it sound like, oh, Jesus was crucified, like that was some strange event. Listen to me. Crucifixion was a normal event. The Romans instituted it so that the Jews knew if we get out of line, what we're going to smell is somebody's dead body hanging outside the city. And if you think you're, it's not going to happen to you, just try it. At home, sleeping in my bed, not free. Just trying to be what they call normal. Just trying not to be abnormal. Because if I get too abnormal, you know what happened to the last one. You know what happened to those zealots that rose up a while back? You, you know how Rome did them. And you know... And in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this taking place, they still had their church. They, at, least, at least they had their church. Go with me to verse 5 through 7 and let me get us started. In the time King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abiah. His wife Elizabeth, also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I am talking about in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of all of these issues, in the middle of all of this stuff that's going on. Listen to me. The temple that they're worshiping in right now is called Herod's Temple. They even changed the name of the church. What if, what if somebody had come in and said, hey, y'all can have worship at all seasons, but, but we're going to start, you know, we're going to start calling this AT&T building. This is the AT&T church. We bought the rights and we're going to put our name on the outside. And we're going to put little posters off and we're going to have an AT&T center right in the front where you can buy your AT&T phones from, from us right here after church. You say, brother, that'd be crazy. Do you not understand when Jesus came and turned over the money changers and things, that's what had happened in Jerusalem. The church had become bought. It had become a product. Herod had invested what we would call millions into their building program. And he had said, I'm going to build you a place over here and I'm going to build you an outer court. And, I'm gonna, and, and they were like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, if God ain't going to come through, at least... Herod came through and, and Herod built it. So we're going to have money changers and we're going to have a market on the outside and we're going to have all this going on and it's going to be called Herod's Temple. In fact, it got so crazy that there was a new group that had risen up called the Herodians. The Herodians were a new religious group 
They just simply wanted this. We're not looking for King David to come back anymore. We want to try from here on to keep the line of Herod on the throne in Jerusalem and he's going to be our king. I don't think many of you realize how messed up they were. This was a messed up place. In the reign of Herod the Great. There was Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And even though the world was crazy, at least they had church. Listen to me, number one. Culture is all they had left. You know, that's what usually you hang on to last. Well, you, you give up a lot of things when you're trying to fit in. But you finally boil it down to your culture. Culture's not your color. It's not culture is 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 music. Culture is, is, is how you talk. It's, 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 it's the way you treat each other. Culture is what your mama and your daddy taught you. Culture is what your grandma told you about. Culture is who you are. And when things get bad, you go to your culture. When, when things get bad, what food do you eat? For me... Somebody better slice some tomatoes. And I'm going to the grocery store. And you're not going to understand this, but I'm buying some potted meat. And I'm getting blue plate mayonnaise. No, no whipping stuff. No, none of that other junk. And I'm going to take them tomatoes and that potted meat and I'm going to put it with him. Because when my life breaks down to its farthest degree when I've been broken and broken and broken I'm going to go back to my culture because I know in the worst of my times there were times when all I had was 25 cents and I could buy a can of potted meat for 25 cents I could go into the Wendy's or something and get some free crackers and I could have crackers and potted meat and I could get through the day when I get down to my culture some of y'all you say well it's neck bones and black eyed peas for me My dad would say, we need turnip greens, some peas. We've got to have cornbread. Now, that's not jiffy. I'm going to tell you something, ladies. The best thing you ever learn to do in your life is how to make real cornbread. You'll keep your family close if you can... And if it gets bad and you get down to broke... You can still make hot water cornbread. Some of y'all, y'all looking at me like, I have no idea what he's talking about. All you've ever done is open that little box, pour it in, add some milk to it, and an egg. Now, I knew when mom didn't have no milk. I knew, I knew when we were so poor, we didn't have anything else. And I'd walk up and that cornbread would be about this thick. And I was like, I'm like, what happened to the cornbread? Usually it's like this. And it, it, she said, it's all right. It's going to taste just as good, Tim. 
When, I, when my life gets bad, people say, well, tell me some of the stuff you do when you go away. Because when I go away and I strip myself of all of my stuff and all of my, that's what God does. It, it's not that I go away and eat, eat Pizza Hut every night when I'm gone. I don't, I don't, I'm just locked up in this camper and I'm hiking. And God says, if you die, son, I'm still going to keep moving on. You need to realize you aren't that important. Do you realize that nothing missed while I was gone? And if I was to die tomorrow, nothing would be. The only person that thinks I'm that important is me. And when I get away and it's all stripped away, everything down, and, and, and I'm sitting there in the quiet, and God says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to hear the happy good ones. I want to hear the Florida boys. I want to hear Hallelujah Square. Because when I was a little boy, and we didn't have but three channels on the TV and mom wouldn't let us watch two of them most of the time. We knew on Sunday afternoon we could turn that channel on to that one channel and it had Hallelujah Square Mall. It had all the inspirations and have all the, the Blackwood brothers and all of these different people singing in there. And I remember them singing that song, Hallelujah Square. And no matter how bad my life got, I remember him singing about, I once met a blind man stumbling along and I thought to myself oh I feel sorry for you and he said oh son don't feel sorry for me because one day I'll see just like you one day in hallelujah square I'll be gathered together with all of my friends and my family one day I won't be lame and one day I won't be broken oh you can break me down and you can take all I got but you can't take my culture from me my culture will rise when there's nothing else left when it's all stripped from you, what's your culture? Well, I run back to a beer. Well, you need to change your culture. When life throws the curve at you, when life starts to break you to pieces, what's your culture? Do you pray more or do you pray less? Are you like Hannah? Do you go grab the horns of an altar or do you go somewhere on Facebook and complain to everybody how nobody likes you? I've come by to tell somebody something. In the middle of all of this, there was a Zechariah. And there was Elizabeth. Oh, thank goodness. There's this couple that's righteous and living for God. But oh, there's a problem. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old we're going to lose our culture we can't the only thing we got left is, is Zachariah and man he represents the priesthood and he's one of the he's one of the top guys and man but it's going to die with him it's going to die with him. I remember growing up, that's what old preachers would always look at me and say. I would preach and I'd get so confused because afterwards they would look at me and they'd say, it does my heart good, Tim, to hear you. I think, why? He said, because my greatest fear is it'll, it's going to die out when we're gone. 
And now that I'm getting older, the greatest fear that rises up in me, Bradley, is it'll just die out and we'll become normal. And there won't be any abnormal churches and there won't be no more abnormal people. They'll just vote and go and do what everybody tells them to do. There won't be anybody that says, oh no, I'm not going to be normal like this world calls normal. I don't care if you call me weird or odd. I don't care if you call me phobic. I don't care. I'm telling you, I have a culture and I'm not giving up my culture. I'm not giving up what I know. I'm not giving up what I learned. I'm not giving up what took a lifetime to teach me. Zachariah and Elizabeth are old. Israel is down to its very last of its identity. It only has three things left. Everything else has been stripped away. Number one, they have circumcision. That's still a cultural thing. Can you imagine what the Romans thought? Like took their little babies seven years old and went and whacked on them, you know? It's like, boy, y'all are brutal. Why would y'all do that to your kid? But that was part of their culture. That was still a celebration. We're not like everybody else. The second thing they had was their festivals, their Sabbaths. You got to understand... When Jesus gets into all the trouble that he gets into, understand that this is what he's fighting against. Not he's fighting against bad people. When I come preaching this morning, I'm not fighting against bad people. I'm just fighting with normal people. Jesus wasn't mad at them. In fact, Jesus stood over Jerusalem and said, Oh, I would have gathered you like chickens under my wings and I would have loved you if you would have just let me. He wasn't mad at them. He just trying so hard to get them from normal to abnormal. He was trying to get them from normal because they had been in prison. They had, they had been in a land that they had, but they didn't have. They were living a life, but, but they didn't really have a life. They, they, they talked about, sung about, preached about, did conferences about, all the stuff that they never really got. They had circumcision, their Sabbaths, and they had their laws. Can you imagine when Jesus comes in and says, I'm the fulfillment of all the laws. Don't talk like that. That's all we got. No more, no more of these Sabbaths. No more of this, this. I am your rest. He who comes to me, though he's weary, will find rest. I am your Sabbath. I didn't come to do a circumcision like y'all do. That ain't what I'm talking about. I've come to do a circumcision of your heart. Don't talk like that. You're, you're, you're messing up the only thing that we've got. You say, brother, we wouldn't be that way. You know how hard it is to go from singing from a book to a wall? 
I can carry you to churches right now that have already chewed up three preachers because there ain't no way they're going singing off no wall. Culture is hard when it becomes normal. There's people that would tell me, you can't preach in my church. You're not anointed. Why? You don't wear a tie. You tell me if I put a tie on, there's an anointing that comes with that tie. Oh, yeah. And some would tell me you can't be anointed and move around. you got to stay behind the thing. Culture can become whatever you create it to be. It's what holds you in place. And there's nothing wrong with culture to its own degree. Culture is what we need. Our kids need culture. We don't need our school. I don't need my first grade teacher teaching my kids who they are. I'll tell them who they are. I don't need my fourth grade teacher telling my kid their identity. I'll tell you your identity. I'll tell you who you are. I'll I'll tell you your last name. I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what our family stands for. I'll tell you what we believe in. I'll tell you what we won't put up with. And I will tell you the culture. Ain't but two dads you got that's going to teach you your culture. One you're looking at and the other you can pray to. But those two are the two dads that know you better than you know yourself. Tradition and culture centers your identity. The problem is, it's good until it comes against a word. Remember now, when Jesus came into the world, it was not a man, although we saw him and beheld him. That's what John said, we beheld his glory. But he was the word of God. The world was normal until he brought a word. That's why a while ago when you were in the altars, I told you, I need you to do one thing. Tell me the sentence that God is speaking to you. It may be as simple as me and my wife, we are going to make it. We are going to. To overcome this. That, that may have been the word. You're like, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen, man. We already... Don't matter. Everything starts... When we come to Jesus, what we get mixed up in is we think we need the emotion. Nah, I can't get ahead of myself. Emotion is good. And it has its place. But emotion... Is not the finish line. Emotion is never the finish line. If the lady with the issue of blood, if it was just about tradition, if she would have said, Oh, there's something in me that says if I could touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. But, oh, but the law says I can't get close to him because I'm unclean, so I'm just not going to be able to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? 
If blind Bartimaeus would have been sitting there and he, he knows, okay, it's disrespectful to scream out to a teacher. It's disrespectful to do this. In fact, everybody reminded him as he was walking by. He said, oh, son of David, have mercy. And everybody's like, shh, be quiet. You're going to disturb the master. He's teaching. He's talking. He's, he's walking along talking. And, and you need to be quiet. He, if he had said, you're right, I, I'm getting out of line. I'm messing everything up. I, I, I know I shouldn't be doing it. If he had done that, he would have never ever received what he was supposed to receive. Listen to me. Culture is good. I like the church of God. I love the church of God as long as they don't mess the word of God up in my life. Oh, brother Lot, I can't believe you said that. Well, get used to it. I got nothing against any denomination. I got nothing against anybody else's walk with God. I got nothing against any. Here's the only problem I have. But if God comes and says, Tim Lott, I've got a word for you, then let me have you understand the word of God will supersede everything else in my life. If he says, go to Forest, Mississippi, I'm headed that way. You've got to get to the point to where your culture does not keep you from receiving your word. That's why when we try to create an atmosphere, it's not trying to turn you all into little all-seasons people. It's trying to create a culture where you can get in the presence of God and you can hear a word. I don't, I don't need to tell you your word. I need you to tell me your word. I need you to tell me where God called you to be. I need you to tell me. I, I don't need blind Bartimaeus looking at me and me going to blind Bartimaeus. You need anything, son? No. I need blind Bartimaeus screaming out. And when I finally bring him up there and I look at him and I say, what is it you screaming about? What do you want? He's, well, I really don't know. I just got excited and just started screaming. No, he looked at Jesus and said, I want to be able to see. I don't want to be blind. Oh, well, if that's what you need. Then let's get that done. The lady with the issue of blood, she kept pressing through because in her spirit, she said, I know this ain't right. I know this don't fit the culture. I know I'm abnormal right now. I know I'm not normal. I know I'm not doing what everybody else does, but I really don't care. I got a word and I didn't read that word in the Bible. I didn't read that word from some scroll. I didn't read that word. I don't know where that word came from, but in my spirit something told me if I could just touch the hem of his garment I would be made whole and I'm going to touch that garment. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what they say about me. And when she touched it and she knew that within her she was healed. <laughs> She withdrew. Jesus stopped and said to somebody, God didn't even let Jesus know what was fixing to happen. Oh, I love that. But in your life, don't lose your identity in normal. Normal relato feels good. It don't cost anything. No, it doesn't. Normal doesn't cost anything. It's free, cheap. Just keep flowing. My dad used to say it this way, Tim, any old dead thing can float downstream. But it takes something live and kicking to go against it. You're right, normal. I can go home today and eat what I want to eat and be normal. I can go home today and not worry about y'all and not just be normal. 
I can watch my kids go on about their lives and just, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Just be normal. But something in me says, Tim, you weren't called to normal. What makes all seasons what it is and what the reason I believe many of you are here is because inside of you, you've never fit in totally because you were never normal. And that's okay. If it makes you feel bad, I wasn't either. I was never normal. Back when nobody else was the way they were, man, I, I remember going and getting my Honda 1300, putting on flip-flops, blue jeans, and a T-shirt, and driving up to church in the middle of the day at camp meeting. Not just youth camp, youth camp meeting. I'd walk up in there, I was like, God, I need to, he's a just be you. I wasn't trying to be anything. That's just what I wore. I'd walk in there and, you know, you'd have a few people look at you like, Lord, have mercy. That's what our church is going to right there. For long, they all have flip-flops on. They're all. And then I'd have a few come over and say, thank you. I'm like, why? I always want to buy a motorcycle. I said, dude, get one. We'll ride together. Can't tell you how many friends and people I've preached funerals for through the years that were buddies of mine that we got to enjoy some life. I can't tell you how many times I remember I had one guy that was struggling, a pastor who was just struggling. And I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bring my bike up to camp meeting. You can just ride around it all week long while I'm while we're there. Really? I let him take it home for a while and everything. Lisa was looking at me like, You're never gonna see that bike again. I said, I will. It's all right. I said, I'm not normal. Never been normal. Don't like normal. Doesn't got to wear abnormal. I like it. I get worried if things get normal too long. If you're around me, you know that. You think, man, that dude's always pushing. No. If you done done it wrong three times, let's try doing something right. If you done done it average 12 times or 13th time, how about trying something on average? Tell me where you're going. Tell me what you're going to be. Go through the routine. You expect nothing. And that's the problem. You get to the point to where in normal, you don't expect anything to happen. Be honest with me this morning. And I'm through. I know you got to go. Did you actually come this morning expecting whatever it was you came toting to actually be fixed today? Did you actually expect to walk out of these doors and what you're struggling with to be gone? The problem is this story that I'm telling you didn't happen in some sinner's house. This story happened at church. Sitting in the pews was normal. Going through the routine was normal. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, even though they are these monumental characters, they are these impressive, righteous people. Can I tell you the problem? They had become normal. How do you know, Brother Lot? Well, let's read. 
He was chosen by lot. Or he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all of the assembly worshiped, were praying outside. There's prayer going outside. He's praying on the inside. And guess what happens? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with Zacharias had gotten to the point, I'm old, it's never going to happen, but I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Listen to me very carefully in here today. The worst thing you'll ever do to yourself is you'll come to a place where miracles are natural. And stay so long just praying but never receiving that you get to a point to where it becomes normal to you to get up, to take a shower, to pick out your clothes, to do your hair, to walk in with all of your stuff. Sit down, praise and praise and praise about what God can do. Sit back down, get up again, bring an offering to celebrate what God can do. Sit back down, hear Pastor Lot or somebody preach on what God can do. Get up, get back in your car, and go home. Getting exactly what you thought you would get. Nothing. In fact, if something this morning happened and God spoke a word, it would startle you and scare you because it's so uncommon for the way your life goes. That's what's scary. That if church turns into normal, there's still prayer. There's still music. There's still incense. But the people, and even the people on the stage, don't really expect anything to happen. That's when it's scary. That's when you have become normal to an abnormal God. Will you stand? It's as far as I can get today. So what are you saying, Pastor? Well, we've already had a great move of God. But I told you and God told me to get up on the stage and make sure. And I said, God, man, you're moving. And Adam said, it's just right. 
He said, yes, but I need you to ask them that question. Can you write down in a sentence what God is speaking over your life? You may say, I, I can't believe it. That's not the question. We'll deal a little more next week, but Zechariah couldn't believe it either. And the angel, I mean, if you stand in front of an angel, you kind of like, whatever you say has got to be true. But Zechariah had gotten so normal that he looked at the angel and said, come on. The thing you're praying for, you just got an answer for. Come on. I know I was walking around with these incense praying, but really? You really gave me the answer? Yeah, I just, God, heard your prayers, and God just gave you an answer. Really? I mean, I just went to church. I really didn't expect God to do anything. That's the problem. If you had a piece of paper right now, could you write on that piece of paper what God is speaking to you? It don't mean the next 25 years of your life. That's not what I'm talking about. God don't deal with me in 25 years. Through the years, he said, this is where you're going next, Tim. Some of it is scary to me. Some of the things he's speaking to me right now, even I don't even like. I always wanted to die at 60. I figured if I ain't got it done by 60, eh. And now God is speaking to me about grandkids and me and Elise being grandparents. And, and he said, write it down. I said, I don't want to write that. I want to believe. I don't want to be around. I want to go home. Yeah, I told you I would do the 40 years, the 30, 40 years. I would, I would be faithful. And then I get to check out, not a long check out, just like I go to bed or I preach my best sermon, sit down, and I'm gone. That's what we talked about. That's what we were good with. Now you're talking about me having to do this and go through this. God, I write it down. Make it plain. If God says, I've told you I'm going to save that kid, then write it down. And every day, call it out to God. God, in our time and in our presence, this is what it has. Let me explain what I mean. I told you that emotion can't do it. It's not the answer. It's like a marriage. I, me and Elise can get all emotional. We can get after. But that's not the pregnancy. And that's not the baby. What you many times are like, you like fooling around with God. But you don't want to hold on for the nine months, for however how long it takes. For this promise is for an appointed time, and it ain't going to happen in two minutes. And it's not going to happen as a zap down at this altar. It's going to be a word, and now you're going to have to walk away and hang on to that word. Hang on to it. Like a bulldog, you bite it and don't let it go. You just hang on to it. You promised it, God, and I'm going to remind you of it every day. Until I see it. 
If you're in this room today with every head bowed, I need you to answer the question. I need you to answer the question. Can you write down on a piece of paper what God, not what, not what the world, not, not what God is speaking over your life right now? It may just be, you know what? Me and you are going to spend more time in these next five years than we ever have. Maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know what the word is. Through the years, I've had so many at different times and different seasons. But it has to be yours. What is God telling you? Here's where you're going. Brother Lott, I wouldn't even want to say this because I'm afraid it won't. I I know. Zechariah understands. But you've got to write it down. Because if God said it, He's planning for it to happen. Father, right now, right now, right now, give them their word to prophesy. Give them their word to speak. Give them their word that's life-changing. Give them their word. Give them their next destiny. Give them their next victory. Give it to them in a word. Because if you speak the word, then it's already done. You are not a man that you would lie. But whatever you say will happen. So speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, it's good to be back. If you get a chance this week, give that devil fits.